Welcome to the Sobriety Elevated Podcast with your hosts, Kevin and Jim. We are dedicated to strengthening your recovery and elevating your sobriety. Thank you for listening. It is showtime. Good evening, Jim. What a wonderful day it is. It's a wonderful day here. Um, I am traveling at the moment, which is is nice. Um, Had some fun travel challenges today, but it didn't affect my recovery. Or my sobriety, so that's good. good. So you um, weren't uh, you weren't kind of everything was safe. You were just delayed. Yeah, it was and, safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, interesting actually, and we'll get into the topic. But an interesting thing did happen is um, I was reading a, a a book about recovery, and the guy next to me asked me if it was okay if he had a drink. Oh, and really? I thought that oh. was really cool that he that did is that. Cool. Yeah. And I said to him, yeah, I mean, you, you do you, you know, I told him, you know, I was in recovery and how long and all that, but I just thought it was, um, thought it was pretty cool that for somebody to notice that. So that was interesting. Which leads into the perfect topic for today, which is techniques to overcome obstacles during our recovery. Yeah. Cause one of the things that your recovery is going to give you is it's going to give you obstacles. I love how they say obstacles in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, one of my favorite films. So today we're going to talk about some of the techniques that are going to assist you. Because at the end of the day, what is the most important is you staying sober. So Kevin, what's the first one you want to talk about this fine episode? It it does parlay or go right into what we were just talking about. And that's where you just have to focus on you and yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because, Kevin, how many people in the world can you control? Well, just one. Right? How about, how about Michaela, though? Really, I mean, I still can't even control her. I mean, even though she's five, I mean, she's got a mind of her own. <laughs> they literally learn at a very young age that you're not the boss of me. That is very true. And, um, you know, when we talk about focusing on you, it, it doesn't mean being like selfish or self-centered. It means like just we can only control what we can control. Right. Yeah. You have to be careful here because this doesn't mean that you need to become narcissistic or abusive in your recovery. It means you need to understand your triggers You need to understand the things that are going to support you, and you need to understand the things that are going to undermine your sobriety. Because when you can learn to control you, and when you can learn to focus on keeping the control on a healthy and vibrant you, your sobriety is going to get stronger. Yeah, and it's just like whenever you have to make amends or make things right with people, all you can do is what you can do, which is own what you've done. You know, they say, you know, in in the programs and in the rooms, clean up your side of the street. And that's really all you can do. So other people's reactions to what you do and what you say, uh, you you can't control that. Yeah, and that's that's always when I used to lead a lot of workshops, that was the best thing because it's like, what if you gave me an amends and I was still so angry that I basically said, I'm not accepting your amends? The question often was, is does that mean that you haven't given an amends? And the answer is? 
No, you you did give an immense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then one day, if the person that you gave the amends to is ready, you can deepen it. But the mere fact that you actually gave the amends and it came from your heart, like this is going to sound cold, but it doesn't matter what their response is. You have given your amends. Your soul is clean. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to do that because I have a few in my life where they're still out there and you know, there's that, like, we want to do more. I, I want to like start trying to fix things and you get back into that behavior. And, and I've done what I can do. And if maybe there's a point where I feel like I need to do more, I will, but I've owned up what I've done. And so we have to kind of just move on, like you said. And, yeah. uh, it, it, it is kind of off the topic, but when you, when you clean up everything that you've done, um, it's so freeing and liberating and, you know, just every single day knowing, you know, today I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to use and not worrying about how other people's actions are going to affect me or affect that. Yep. Because at the end of the day, all you can do is control you. And if in your mind you are solid with your recovery, your sobriety is going to become amazingly strong. Absolutely. So what's number two, Jim? Oh, number two is, I think number two is my favorite because it's practice mindfulness. And it's interesting because I think the word mindfulness is ironic because mindfulness implies a full mind, but what it really points to is an empty mind. If you are truly mindful, there is nothing there. And when there is nothing there, it allows you quite literally to be in the here and be in the now. There is no past. There is no future. There's just you being you right now. Yeah, you know, people that have been listening to us for a while, probably it's no surprise to them that that would be your favorite one. But what, <laughs> I mean, but what may be a surprise is it's actually my favorite one too. And what? the reason, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's shocking. And, and what you said, you said that same thing about mindfulness to me, man, it's been a while ago and emptying your mind and, and kind of letting go of everything. And, and I guess the, the best way to put it is to stay like in the present moment yeah. and to focus on now. Yep. And man, it's so freeing. I can remember even when I was having super anxious times and then I'd call you and talk to you and we would just kind of ground myself and, and get into the moment, maybe, you know, smell the air or feel the ground or whatever it was. Yeah. Take a deep breath and just let it out. Yeah. And deep breaths are so powerful to do this because if you actually focus on filling your lungs all the way to your toes, and then exhaling all the way to the top of the head, you're going to find that the stresses and the anxieties that tend to wrap you into the past or wrap you into future tripping, they disappear and you just get to be with your breath. And I still think that is one of the most powerful places and spaces to create is the present of presence. <laughs> I love that, Jim. I remember when I first met you the very first time and, you know, me, I was a, I was an angry guy still at that moment. And it said Ooh. Breathworks with Jim Piconin. And I was like, uh -huh. Breathworks, this sounds kind of like 
demonic or something to me, you know, like, what are we going to do? Some seance. <laughs> right. And it, it, it did it like in your head, you think like, this is some weird, deep, like thing, but it, it, and it can be, and, and everybody's different and all that. But for me, it literally just, I remember like taking the breath in, taking it out and just letting thoughts leave my mind and just realizing that where I was right then and right there and only being in that moment, it was like, it was peace that I hadn't felt. And so when it happens now, still, when I get a little crazy in my head, I can sit down and I can say, all right, I'm going to focus on my breathing. Not that I'm like chanting or anything. You literally just breathe and you feel it go in and you're so present with your body that you can let all those other things go. I mean, in all honesty, it's the easiest thing to do. And I really feel in all my recovery work, that is the thing that created the most profound difference in people's lives is they just got to breathe. And maybe for 15, 20 minutes, they got to let go of the torture that was dragging them down because you know as well as I do, the first, I don't know if it's a month to a year, it's so tough. And the breath is so powerful to free you to where those obstacles, instead of becoming walls, they become paving stones that move you forward in life. And you become so self-aware when you get into recovery that I notice with me, one of the biggest indicators of how I'm feeling is how I'm breathing. Like, and I feel it almost in my chest, you know, like there's that like pit in your stomach almost feeling. And I realize it's because I'm not taking deep breaths. I'm not in the moment. I'm so worried about what's happened or what's going to happen that I'm not right then and there. And, you know, it's all of this, you know, it's, it's, you know, in the 12 steps, it's, it's, you know, prayer and meditation, you know, that's what we talk about. And that's really what, what this kind of is part of that step for me. It's meditating. It's, it's through prayer and just relaxing. And like you said, mindfulness, but really unloading my mind actually. Yeah. Yeah. And even as we're talking about this, I've been breathing deeply in and out. Like it's so clear. I, I'm, I'm going to have to look at my notes. You're going to have to lead on with the next one. Well, I will, but I'm noticing myself too. And we're just flowing and my, my voice, everything. It's just, when isn't you, it? It's, it's crazy. You actually yeah, so get that's a simple one. Right. And it's funny. And I want to add this in before you did it. You actually get into a cadence with life. And when you can begin to be literally in the flow of life where you are so present, I don't think there's a better feeling. I agree with that. I think that the the next one we're going to say, it's act with your wise mind. Woo. And let me tell you, people, that it's not acting with your addiction-ridden mind. Yeah, I look at the word, the wise mind. You know, we get a lot of wisdom from, mostly we get wisdom from making mistakes. And so what I look Ooh. at is my wise mind is the one where I've learned from all of my mistakes in the past. And now I'm living with those lessons and putting those lessons into action. Oh, that is a beautiful distinction. I have never thought of it that way. And sometimes, especially if you meet an older, wiser person, sometimes we can learn from their mistakes also. I mean, to me, that is the power of meetings. Because oftentimes when you go to a meeting, 
It isn't always about the fluff and the great stuff. Sometimes you get to be in somebody else's misery. And oftentimes the lessons that we learn there, they may be the lessons that we can take on as ours. Maybe that's what our wise mind is. Yeah, I I like that a lot. And I know that in business, I'd like to learn from other people's mistakes too, so that I don't make the same ones and same with my recovery. That's why we surround ourselves, which we'll go right into actually the next one. Yeah. Uh, But we surround ourselves with the right people, the wise people and people with wisdom around us. And that's when the next one, Jim, what would, what, what do we? The next one is lean on your support team. Because one of the things that we both know is it's the depth of your support team that is going to assist you to deepen your recovery and keep your sobriety strong. And if you have a support team that can, that can literally be there when you need it, like sometimes we think, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm strong, right? I have three plus years. I have 10 years. I have 20 years of sobriety. I don't need support. But I'm going to say just the opposite. With that amount of time, you need more support because it's going to be easier for you to get tripped up in the false confidence. So your support team is critical. Yeah, and sometimes your support team is people you're supporting. Like for me, I have I have men that I'm sponsoring right now that have a short time, and they're still a support system for me. They call me, I call them, we talk, and we talk, talk through stuff, and it really helps me. It's so, being of so much. Yeah, being, being of service, of service right? is, is huge, which um, we didn't put on this list, but that's when we can talk about, again, we just had an yeah. uh, episode on that, but that's a good one too. Yeah, because when you're in service, whatever problems that you're facing, they get incredibly small when you're assisting another person in theirs. So being in service, to me, that's, a, that's almost a subsection of your support team. Because if you're able to create a strong support team, I mean, even you with the people you're sponsoring, that's part of your support team. You will learn from them. Yeah. And having my sponsor recently die unexpectedly, you know, the support, it's why a support team and a support system is important rather than just one person. And I'm thankful that I had a lot of different people in my life that I could talk to and kind of unpack that. Um, it it was weird. I handled it a lot differently than I thought I would, uh, because I had a lot of peace about it, which is, is, is kind of unique, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised I wasn't a little bit more anxious and nervous about it, but it's because I had those people around me that I could talk to and, and, uh, and that support system, just like we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite beautiful. And that's going to lead into the next one which is what you were doing just before we started this recording. Physical activity when we need an instant distraction. Yeah. So if you get, if, if you get in your head, take a walk. If you start questioning things, take a walk. Right? Get out and do something because when you can get the blood flowing, when you get the energy going, it, it helps you not get stuck. And one of the most critical things as someone in recovery is always being in the flow and never getting stuck. 
Yeah. And the physical activity part goes right along inside with the mindfulness um, for, for me, like it's, it's as I'm working, whether I'm working out or just taking a walk, like you said, or, and physical activity can also be like maybe eating something, whatever, you, you know, it is, but I, I start to be more intentional. Like whenever I get anxious, you know, that that's probably the best way that I can describe it. Like, I don't want to have a drink. I, I'm thankful that that obsession has left me, you know, because of what I do daily, but I still have some anxiety that comes in and things like that. So, my part of my recovery is then, okay, work it out, whether that's uh, a walk, a jog. Okay. I don't really jog, but a walk, (laughs) maybe lifting weights, (laughs) doing something uh, to distract me. And, um, and then while I'm doing that, it it is a mindful thing where I'm in the moment, because when you start to think about it, if you're walking and you're focusing on the trees or whatever you're seeing, you get in that present moment again. And and that's where there's so much freedom. Mm Mm-hmm. And I want to add one last one that to me really comes into play. And that's get out of your ego. Because so much of your addiction, you were in your ego and you were in your head. And one of the biggest things you can do to really strengthen your recovery is to get out of your ego and which actually just takes us right around to the first thing and get around to a space of nothing. Because from a space of nothing, you can create anything. You can create a stronger recovery. You can deepen your sobriety. But when you are in your ego, you're literally taunting relapse. Yeah, you know, they say pride comes before the fall. And I see a lot of people that whenever they think that they are have everything figured out and, and they don't need it anymore. I mean, I've heard it so many times. People are like, I didn't need, I, I didn't go to meetings anymore. I didn't do service anymore. I, I didn't call anybody. I didn't help anybody. I didn't do this or that. And then it leads to relapse. And that's because you get right back to that. Your ego brings you back to that selfishness and self-centeredness. Yeah. You can just handle one. Come on, Kevin. You can just do one. And one leads to 100, like we've said 70 times in, in the last 70 episodes. Yeah, one, one's never enough. I know that much. And, and uh, there's never enough. And that's the thing. Like, that's why all of these things that we're talking about, when these thoughts or these things or these anxieties come in, you know, these are some practical things to do. And it's, it's um, like... It's so easy to to not actually do them. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like we know what to do, but then doing it is the hard part. But I just want to challenge everybody out there that's listening that like put it into action and watch what happens. And we've had so many people talk to us and say, "Hey, you know, you guys said this and it helped me and doing this yep. helped me." And so try these things and watch, you'll see some relief. You know, yep. focus on the mindfulness, focus on the support system. And if you've heard something that works for you, Share these podcasts with others. Just say, hey, you need to give these two guys a listen because this is how you deepen recovery in the world. And right now, it's a crazy world, and we need that recovery deepened. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sobriety Elevated podcast. Please like us, rate us, share us with your friends, and family. By doing that, you make the difference. 
The more people that listen to this, the more we impact the recovery around the world. Thank you and create an incredible day.